This is episode number 631 with Sally Cohn. Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, a former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. What is up, my friends? I'm so glad that you're here right now. I just got back from a two-week journey in New York City where we were working on a very big project that I've been working on for about a year and a half, and I'll be announcing it very soon, possibly this week, so look out for the announcement on my email, newsletter, on Instagram, YouTube, all the places that I like to hang out, and I hope you're having an amazing week. I hope this is a a good day for you. I hope you're having an amazing week. And just a reminder of how lucky we actually are. No matter how much you're going through right now, no matter how bad things might be, you have so many amazing things available for you. You're so much greater off than so many other people in the world. And perspective and gratitude is one of the keys to happiness. And if we don't have perspective, and if we're not grateful for what we do have, no matter how bad it may seem right now, doesn't matter if you're going through a divorce, if you're going through a breakup, if you're having a health challenge, if you've got some challenge with friendships or in business, or you're stressed out with money, whatever it may be, it could always be a lot worse. Unfortunately, there are people out there who have it way worse than you. Now, I'm not saying you need to be excited about where you're at, but you have a lot to be grateful for. Just listening to this episode right now tells me that you have a lot going on in your life and that you're hungry for more, that you desire to create more out of your life. And that's why you're here, to create more, to increase your lifestyle, to have a better life, to achieve the dreams that are inside of you. And that's why you're here. And I'm excited about this episode because we've got Sally Cohn on. Before we dive in, I want to share a quote with you from Nelson Mandela, who said, people must learn to hate, and if they can learn to hate, then they can be taught to love, for love comes more naturally to the human heart than its opposite. Oh, gosh, there have been so many years where I've wasted my life hating people or resenting things from my past and holding on to them, and all it did was hurt me and hurt the people around me. And when I learn to come from a place of love, which is still, you know, a work in progress, it doesn't, you know, sometimes I still hold on to things and I get hateful. Uh, You know, it's usually only for short moments or maybe a couple of days at most if it's something extreme. But the key is to learn and be taught to love because that's really our human heart. That's our human nature. And Sally Cohn is one of the leading progressive voices in America today. She is a writer, activist, and CNN political commentator, and the host of the State of Resistance podcast. And before that, she was a Fox News contributor. Before that, she worked for over 15 years as a community organizer. Her writings have appeared in Washington Post, New York Times, RollingStones.com, USA Today, Times, and many other outlets. And her first two TED Talks have Got over 3 million views, and her new book, The Opposite of Hate, is out right now. And we talk about what Sally was motivated to do after getting tons of hate mail herself. Also, why finding someone to blame for the world's problems 
is not a good solution and how to become aware and change your subconscious thoughts of hate towards individuals or judgment, things like that. Also, the best way to handle bullying today and what Sally learned from visiting Rwanda and talking to survivors of genocide. Before we dive in, I want to give a shout out to the fan of the week. This is from Brendan, who said, no matter your mood, the podcast is sure to inspire and motivate you to make your life the life you have always dreamed of. Lewis has gotten me up on my feet and into the world of life coaching and helping to bring people closer to their dreams, physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual. It is taught by experts and guests in the School of Greatness. So there is absolutely no reason to pass this up. Dive on in and make your dreams happen. I love that, Brendan. Thank you for for sharing your review. And if you guys haven't left a review yet, you know you can head over there right now on the podcast app on your phone, iTunes, whatever, and leave a review and, and get a chance to be shouted out for the fan and review of the week. I don't know about you, but when around 3 p.m. hits, I find myself craving the right refreshment to get me through that mid-afternoon slump. New Pure Leaf Zero Sugar Sweet Iced Tea is full-flavored sweet tea, but without the sugar and the calories. It might take several bottles for you to believe that a delicious sweet tea can really have zero sugar and zero calories. But you know what they say, life is full of surprises. Or in this case, full of flavor. New Pure Leaf Zero Sugar Sweet Iced Tea. Try it to believe it. For 20% off your next 12 pack head to amazon and use promo code 20 pure leaf that's promo code 20 p-u-r-e-l-e-a-f for 20 percent off take your business further with the smart and flexible american express business gold card it offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business you can also earn up to 395 dollars in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Okay, quick math. The less your business depends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep, obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite and you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Backed by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks head to netsuite.com slash greatness netsuite.com slash greatness again head to netsuite.com slash greatness all right my friends let's dive into this one creating the opposite of hate with sally Cohn. Welcome back, everyone, to the School of Greatness podcast. We have Sally Cohn in the house. Good to see you. Nice to see you, man. Thanks for being I'm here. Really excited. Um, uh, we're in a different studio today. I'm in New York City, not in LA studio, but uh, but you wouldn't know. There's no windows. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. But we are here, and you have a new book out today. It's called The Opposite of Hate, A Field Guide to Repairing Our Humanity. Make sure you guys go check it out uh, and pick up a copy. Very excited about this. <laughs> and I forgot there were videos, so I was like, who's he, who's he <laughs> showing he the book, to? book to? Dude, someone? Yeah. Dude, Lewis, it's a podcast. <laughs> they can't see the book. I got it now. I'm all right. It's okay. Now, I'm <laughs> curious. I listened to your TED Talk about uh, Sticky Vicky. Aye. And did you... Did I you? Don't, shouldn't have that reaction. Like, I know <laughs> I, it's out there. Yeah. I just wrote a book about it and did yeah. a TED Talk. But still, every time it, people bring it up, I feel like uh, I get this uh, pain in my stomach. Yeah, yeah go ahead. And the Sticky Vicky is, for those who haven't seen the TED Talk, she was a girl in the fifth grade, I mm -hmm. believe, that you bullied, teased, whatever you want to call it. Bullied. She, she smelled weird. She had bad hygiene. And she was awkward, let's say, like most of us kids. Uh, growing up, but it sounded like to me that a lot of the kids in the class were always made fun of her. And you said even teachers made fun of her. And teachers, I mean, that's really just, sad. That's really sad. It really is. But I just this. I think this stuff still happens. It happens. I got picked on by teachers. And right, like, yeah. I mean, what does that do to your sense it's... of justice and righteousness when the people who are supposed to be treating everyone fairly and equally are picking on you? Mm -hmm. That's so. By the way, the fact that other kids did it and the teachers did it didn't make it any more. Right. But, um, yeah, one of the things, uh, you know, it's not like, I don't think I was in denial or something, but I guess when I, so I was a community organizer for 15 years. What does that Loved, mean? So it means that I, great question, <laughs> so it means that I went around the country and I worked with local groups of folks who were trying to make change in their communities. So whether it was mm -hmm. get a stop sign at an intersection that was really dangerous or protect immigrants in their right. community or fix uh, public assistance policies, I helped them do whatever they wanted to do better and connect with folks to make change at the state and national level. Okay. So I worked so on a rally range communities together. Exactly. And I did things like train people how to give a speech in city council or uh, you know how to go talk to the media at a press conference mm. or how to organize a house party and get 100 people in your living room to talk right. about the sewage problem in the community. Right. Um, and I fell into media, which literally like I was given a speech, someone saw me no, like, you need said, to come on more. Yeah, come come this. do come do TV. And I said, no, no, I don't, I don't do that. I do church basements. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's my rally with the people. Yeah, um, <laughs> ground level. And long story short, I ended up uh, going and being a talking head in in 2000, 2009, 2010, and ended up working at Fox News for two and a half years. The reason I bring it up is I hadn't thought about Vicky. Pretty much, so I, occasionally I'd have sort of memories and ruminations and whatever, but it wasn't until I started getting hate mail. Hmm. When I was at Fox News, something I'd never experienced in my life, both online, on Twitter, and and, and just actual, I mean, hate email, mm -hmm. um, which at least is, has the benefit of being more convenient and less creepy than getting mail at your own house. Uh, and I started to get these, like, just strangers saying and writing these incredibly vicious things to me. And I thought, I had this sort of moment of, like, who the heck does this? Mm. Who's mean? to someone for no reason. And then I realized, oh, <laughs> me, I also like, and I, I started to have this, uh, this, this, you know, memory that I'd never forgotten, but that it kind of faded into the back, became clearer and clearer to me. And I started to feel worse and worse for what I'd done, which to be completely honest, I don't think I remember the entirety of, but I have bits and pieces of memories of just mm -hmm. having uh, you know, the, the one I talk about in the TED Talk and in the book is standing outside the bathroom hall 
waiting for, you know, standing outside the hallway of fifth grade, waiting for Vicky to come out of the bathroom. And I'd made up a survey uh, where I was pretending to ask about shampoo preferences. Uh, like I was actually doing some kind of legitimate <laughs> survey for science class right. or something. And she comes out of the bathroom and I ask her what shampoo she uses. And she says, white rain. And I, I will tell you, I really, I'm not exaggerating when I say I don't remember pretty much anything from fifth grade. <clears throat> I, can, I can still hear her saying white rain. And then class is let out, all the hallway fills up with kids and I run down the hallway and I'm shouting, you know, sticky Vicky uses white rain shampoo, don't use white rain shampoo or you'll smell like sticky Vicky. And it was, I, I, I recognize there are people who've endured worse bullying. Mm -hmm. She, by the way, I know endured worse bullying. Right. But still to like go through life thinking of yourself as a mostly good person and on the side of goodness and kindness and have to wrestle with the fact that you, I, have the capacity for both kindness and cruelty. That was really the insight that led to mm. this book. So when that came up for you in the back of your mind about that you were this, you'd done these things to this person when you were a kid, is that what made you, and then you wrote a letter to her is what I heard, right? Mm -hmm. You wrote a letter to her hoping that she would forgive you or something, but she didn't, she said, you know, pay it forward and kind of redeem yourself on the world, make the world a better place. Yeah. Is that what set you, set you off on this journey then? So it was that combined with this experience of being hated mm. at, at getting hate mail. Yeah. And which is just, I mean, for people who haven't gotten it, it, it especially <clears throat> for someone like me who spent your life kind of believing in the goodness of people and the potential of people and the uh, ability of folks to come together and be more than the sum of their parts and mm. do great things. And that had been my whole philosophy of humanity. Right. And suddenly these trolls come and shook me to my core. Like, not only what kind of people can do this, but what kind of society produces people that do this. And it was sort of that combined with honestly being like a liberal lefty lesbian suddenly setting foot into Fox News thinking they would all hate me. <laughs> and they were actually really, a lot of them really, really nice. And meanwhile, I had to be like, oh wait, I hate them. Like I, I right? And so it's suddenly, every it was like everything I thought got turned upside down. It's like, oh, I'm a nice person, but I have this capacity for cruelty in the past and present. And here are these people I think believe really cruel things in the world, but they can be actually really, really nice. And, yeah. and then here are random strangers who are being mean to me for no reason. And, and it made me want to understand why do we do this? Why? As people, why as a society do we hate? And what can we do about it? Because mm, you mentioned that you're not born to, to hate people of color or people of different sexual tendencies or whatever it may be, or different religions. We're not born that way, but we're, we become that way based on the culture around us, right? Yeah, this was one of my favorite metaphors someone gave me, a psychologist gave me in the book, which is, so we actually are, as human beings, we have evolved a capacity to hate. That, that's undeniable. I really wanted to find out otherwise. I was desperate to find out otherwise. But it's just, that's the case. Like, you know, look, when we were our ancient little tribal selves, I guess, somewhere you know, hitting rocks with other rocks, uh, and we were in our little tiny tribe, and a different tribe appeared over the hill, we were freaked out for mm -hmm. good reason. Mm -hmm. And so this 
kind of us them your preference for the us and your fear or even hostility toward them is actually that is hardwired mm. into yeah. the way Safety, our brains work. To be right, safe, exactly. Yeah. Fight or flight, all of that stuff. Um, but the analogy is to think about hardware versus software. So the capacity to hate is the hardware we all have as human beings. It, that's that's the way our brains are designed and our, our psychology is designed. But who we hate, that's mm. that's software, man. That's been that has been encoded into us by society. So there's not some part of your brain that goes, you know, hey, let's be racist or hey, let's be anti-Semitic or Islamophobic. That's not in our neurons, in our DNA. That doesn't, that's not there. That has been programmed into all of us mm. by our history, our habits, I'm just the air we breathe. You yeah. can't grow up in the United States of America without having certain ideas about gender, certain ideas about race, certain ideas about nationalism. Right. That is software. The, the good news of that is though, it means we can change it. Do we? Do you think we believe our peers more or the media more? Like if our peer of our, a friend of ours and a friend group in fifth grade is saying, well, these people are bad or this religion is bad or whatever it is, or being gay is bad or whatever it is, if we hear that over and over versus hearing someone on the media saying these things over and over or showing bombings from a certain country right. over and over, which one is more influential? Do I have to pick? I mean, here's the problem, right? <laughs> is increasingly they're saying the same things, yes. right? And and this is where I think, you know, one of the things I say in my book is that there's a spectrum of hate, right? They're not all the same. Right. So I'm not saying that bullying is as bad as genocide, mm -hmm. but they're related. They're all about yeah. hate and otherizing and demeaning right. and dehumanizing certain people and certain groups of people more likely than others. Mm -hmm. And by the same token, I'm not saying that explicit hate is the same thing as implicit or unconscious, but they're related, right? So the fact is, is that, again, you grow up in this country and increasingly this world, but in the West, but you grow up in the United States of America and you are going to have certain ideas mm. about people of color and white people, certain ideas about men and women. You're gonna have them whether you're white or black or man or woman because of the unconscious hatred that comes out of your peers' mouths, right? It also comes the out ignorance, of your- The unconscious just, ignorance. Or just, I, I mean, ignorance is even, it, it, that's almost a blameworthy concept. It's, mm. And I'm really not interested in blame. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, I am personally not responsible for the history that got us to this point. I'm not going to wallow. There's almost something um, a little too self referential about blame for me. Like, I didn't get us here. It's not my fault. I don't, but it is my responsibility to do something differently going forward. And so, those ideas come from the media and they come from our peers, mm -hmm. right? So like we know that the media covers when black folks commit crimes and white folks commit crimes, right? They tend to show the white uh, people who allegedly committed crime. They show their like college or high school yearbook photo and they mm -hmm. show the black folks in a perp walk. We know that. That's statistical. We like, that's a thing. Uh, we know that when a white right-wing Christian terrorist commits an act of violence, uh, that it's versus when a person who's a Muslim commits an act of violence in the United States, the 
Muslim committing an act of violence or terrorism gets covered four times more. Wow. Even though three quarters of uh, terrorist acts since 9-11 have been committed by white extremists. So, mm. and, and that also, that's about the media. That's about what we end up sharing on social media, which yeah. is us. Yeah. That's about what we talk about at the dinner table when we're, you know, the way we, with our kids and our friends, we're more afraid of these people than those people. That's all of us. Mm. And so the answer to hate is starting to be more conscious of the ways that we think about and treat people differently based on who they are and, and the groups they belong to in ways yeah. that are unfair and unjust. How do we do that? How do we start thinking differently? Um, <laughs> I mean, when uh, we have the same pattern running through our mind subconsciously yeah. or unconsciously, yeah. how do we catch it? And then what's the step moving forward? So the, the, there is the good news is right. That there's actually evidence that being more aware of our unconscious biases helps us counter them. Right. I mean, you can't do something about this is kind of simple science. You can't do something about an unconscious thought. Right. You have to make it conscious. You have to, like, bring it up to the surface yeah. so that then you can examine it and do something about it, which is different, by the way. We're still let's be clear about something. We're still debating as a country whether unconscious bias is even a real thing. So we're not even at the point where we can say, hey, OK, this is true. The, mm -hmm. you know inequities and injustices that now pervade, look, you know, black kids who commit the same infractions in elementary school are more likely to get suspended than white kids, right? You're more likely to be pulled over if you're black than if you're white. You're more likely to be arrested if you're black mm -hmm. than you're white. You're more likely to get a harsher, to be convicted if you're black than you're white. You're more likely to get a harsher sentence if you're black than you're white, right. even though same levels of criminality. So. We, we have, but we're still somehow, we're still debating why this is. The fact that there are these biases baked into both our minds and our institutions as a society. Right. We can't, and some people say that the answer is pretend there's no difference. Stop talking about the differences. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's the answer. In fact, first of all, I think our differences are what make us great. And especially in the United States, right? We are. We are the out of one many country, right? E pluribus unum. This is the our unique path as the United States of America to try to be. We've never done it perfectly, but to try to be a country of many mm -hmm. where we are all equal, where we can all come here and all be treated equally and all have the same potential. That's our that's our our principles, our values, our beliefs, our aspirations, even though we've never perfectly achieved them. So I don't think our differences our problem, I think our differences are what make us great. One of my favorite parts about my job is that I get the opportunity to travel a lot. And in fact, I'm recording this right now while I'm in Mexico. And actually, I was thinking about something that I wanted to share because I get a lot of questions from so many people about different side hustle ideas. So here's one for those of you out there that are on the go a lot like I am or traveling a lot. When you're staying in your Airbnb on your trips, have you ever thought about how you could be making extra money by hosting through Airbnb while your home is vacant? If you're interested in an extra stream of income, Airbnb hosting is an easy place to start and it's like giving your home some company while you're away your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com slash host 
So listen, we all know life is full of yada yada, like those quote unquote free trials that somehow still charge your card for something or when companies have those sneaky gotchas hiding deep in the fine print. And I know you've dealt with yada yada before, like those bills that keep going up and up for no reason at all. Or when budget airlines promise a cheap fare, but then charge you for every little thing until you realize you're paying more than you would have somewhere else. And yes, it is possible to outsmart yada yada, like triple checking airline deals to make sure all you need is already included, but you don't take yada yada in life. So don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. When you get a new car or a new home, your first reaction might be to say things like, oh yeah, or I can't believe it, or booyah. But what you really wanna say is the one thing that can get you the help you need. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm is there with the coverage you need for your car, your home, and even boats, motorcycles, RVs, and other things that matter to you. With a State Farm agent, you know someone is there to help you choose the coverage you need. With so many coverage options, it feels good knowing you can find what fits for you. And when you need ways to get help, State Farm gives you options there too. Too. in person or on the phone with your local agent or on statefarm.com where their award-winning app State Farm lets you do things your way. So when you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember to say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. You have to be able to talk about the injustices and the inequality mm. and acknowledge the <clears throat> footprint, the thumbprint that history and <laughs> culture have left in all of our minds. Right. We have to talk about it. And then, believe it or not, from there, you start to just be more conscious and then you catch it. You catch yourself. The other answer, by the way, is actually getting outside of our own bubbles. So, right, for right. instance, we know that kids who go to racially integrated elementary schools, they don't develop as much racial bias at all to begin with. And teenagers who participate in racially integrated uh, after school activities and sports, they reduce mm -hmm their racial bias. Yeah. So also it's about not just right, but like knowing people of different classes, of people people who voted for different people, uh, you know, who have different, you know, urban rural breaking mm -hmm. up some of those divides. Right. That's where we start to get to change. Yeah. I, I feel very blessed and lucky to grow up in a very diverse experiences, traveling the world. I played, you know, football in the South. I was one of the only white guys on the team and just learn, you'd learn a different language. You learn a different experiences. You can relate differently to people. Yeah. I grew up with seven different exchange students from around the world who would teach me no way, really? language, you know, cook their foods, talk about their experiences, what it was like in their country from five till about 14. My brother was in prison for four and a half years, so I would visit him and see, you know, talk to different inmates during visiting hours uh, in like a, you know, a group, group visiting room and just learn from so many different people from walks of life where I felt like I was very lucky and fortunate to, and I'm sure I still judge and, you know, have these biases today, but I feel um, like I'm open and aware of things that are happening and at least I'm willing to talk about them. Um, yeah. And I do my best being like a, you know, like we talked about before being a tall, white jock, straight man, you know, there's a lot of opinions about me, and I try to constantly break through those and see people for where they're at. So, what I love about that, there are a lot of things I loved about that. First of all, I always forget about exchange students, and you and I are <laughs> of the generation where we had exchange yeah, students. Yeah, my sister was one too. That was yeah. like yeah. that right there, like such 
an incredible and important piece of that of that whole puzzle you just described. Um, but I, I, especially of two things. You, you said, look, you still have your biases. And mm -hmm. you said it in a way, though, that wasn't like you weren't like putting on a hair shirt and punishing yourself. And it's just right. it's a fact. Yeah. Like I still have do. my biases. Like right. you and I both still every time we walk past a baked good, we want to eat it. We like, want to eat it. It's just that's that's who, you know, hey, no big deal. Yeah. Like it's not I don't loathe myself. I don't get weighted down or or even um uh like stuck in right. just beating my like it is a fact. Mm -hmm. You still got some. And it's because I think you've had so many different experiences and been so open to them that you can, I mean, I, I love the metaphor of the mask mm -hmm. of masculinity. Not only of the alliteration, which is friggin' brilliant, and you know it, <laughs> but because there's an interesting thing about masks, right? When mm. you put on a mask, I know you've written this, but when you put on a mask, it both stops you from being seen and it stops you from seeing mm. others. Mm -hmm. And again, that's not, I'm not beating up on the mask either. I'm just, that's just a fact. Yeah. And so the more we can try to see and experience others in an open-minded way, right? I feel the same way. I was mm -hmm. blessed to get to go work at Fox News. And I don't think right. a lot of people might say that, but I was. <laughs> right. Because it made me realize that these people I thought of as the enemy other weren't and were far more complicated than the stereotypes I had. Mm -hmm. And taking off those masks is a blessing. Yeah. With your point of view, why did you go work at... Fox News in the first place. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, in the <laughs> uh, how much time do we have? I uh, not getting into I, politics too much, but I'm just curious. I know you say we're not talking politics, and so no, no. I uh, without like, I mean, first of all, I did in the beginning. I did what little baby pundits do, right? I did Fox, I did CNN, I did MSNBC, and you know, mm -hmm. uh, you I yeah. had the, I did them all, and I had the opportunity one day. Uh, I met Roger Ailes. He said, hey, would you want to come work here? And I mean, by which that means just be an exclusive commentator on their yeah, network only. Yeah. And I said, actually, I didn't say yes immediately. All my, my it was my friends who, because out of organizing, it was my friends who were all organizing the campaigns to shut down Fox. So I called them <laughs> and was like, hey guys, um, what do you think? Are you going to hate I, me I, if I do this? Yeah. Right, and I really wanted to get their honest mm -hmm feedback, criticism, take on this, um, and honestly, their blessing, which I did get, because look, the truth is, first of all, whatever you think of Fox News, uh, someone has to go on, right? right. They're gonna have and some people are watching. On. And second, there are people watching. And at the time, there were more Democrats watching Fox News than MSNBC or CNN, because well. the audience is that big. And what I, what people helped me realize, and then I experienced, was just like the people on Fox's air aren't, all a monolith, right? I'm still pleased to call Sean Hannity a friend. I'm grateful he su has supported and blurbed the book. Just like the people on air aren't aren't just the stereotype, neither are the people watching. Mm -hmm. They don't. They aren't all Sean Hannity or all Bill O'Reilly. They, you know, have doubts and questions and curiosities and and yeah. I look. I believe in. I'm an I'm an activist. I believe in social change. So you gotta, if you want to change hearts and minds, you should be, right? Why do people rob is, banks? It's where the monies are. Right, <laughs> the right. money. I'm gonna go. Did I just say monies? I did. <laughs> the monies. I it's need more coffee. But is it, I right? hear you. Yeah. This is funny because I get a lot of, uh, I don't know if it's hate, but I just get a lot of critique when I go on certain media that isn't oh. the most politically correct or like the most positive media. And I'm like, listen, I'm trying to go to places that 
I'm not preaching to the choir. I went on, I went on, uh, last year I went on Ellen and then the next day I went on Glenn Beck and someone mentioned there, they said there's probably no one in the history that's been on both those shows back to back days. And they were kind of upset at me for going on Glenn Beck. And I was like, listen, when I met the guy, he was super cool, very nice. We had an incredible conversation and I'm trying to reach people that I'm not preaching to the choir to about letting go of the masks and helping heal humanity. I'm not trying to say the same thing to the same people. Yeah. And I think it's our duty, if we want to be activists, to reach out to people that maybe don't believe in the same things as us, or don't look like us, or don't talk like us, and try to learn and connect in a different way to make change, wouldn't you say? Well, and also, what's the alternative, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. It's like, okay, so let me understand this. Let's play this out for a second. By the way, Glenn's also a friend. And I think on the topic of masculinity uh, is a is a really interesting ally mm -hmm. in a lot of ways, right? Yeah. Um, uh, you know, name a name a um, left wing TV male talk show host who cries that much. Anyway, right. <laughs> um, uh, love you, Glenn. Um, but what's the alternative? Mm. You want to allow them if you believe, for instance, that Glenn, well, you know, folks on the right perpetuate, prop up systems of misogyny mm -hmm. and sexism and rigid gender codes and rules that oppress us all. So we should let them keep doing that? <laughs> yeah. We should just be like, all right, well, that lost that 50%. I'll talk to my people. Like, you talk to, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I'm just like, I don't, I don't understand. Like, don't you want them to change? Mm. Right? Or be I, aware or think differently yeah. or yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, and like, I can't, I watch what's happened with marriage equality. Mm-hmm which was, by the way, never my favorite issue, and I'm not married, and I the state could get out of telling people what kinds of families are good families and bad families, but whatever. I, you know, now I have, like, friends on the right come up to me and call my partner my wife, and I have to be all, she's not my wife, but, <laughs> right? Like, people not. changed on that issue, and I think we would all agree it's a good thing. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, you gotta you you, you rob banks because it's where the money is. You gotta go talk Money's. to people where the people. Thank you. The money. Thanks for remembering yeah. <laughs> that. Should have had that extra coffee. I'm, I'm curious. <laughs> what is the uh, the most horrible thing you've ever said or done? Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> I love the laugh. Oh my! What's uh, the most horrible thing I've ever said or done? Because you talked about uh, Sticky Vicky. Yeah. And how this was a memory that you, you know, forgot about, then came back because you realized that, hey, I'm also, as much as I'm trying to spread love and positivity of the world, I've been a bully or done bully-like things to people. So I'm just curious if there's, hmm. if that was the worst thing or if there has been other things that you really aren't proud of or regretful for oh saying or doing gosh. to people. Um, <laughs> hello, Twitter. I feel like you all could find all the things you think are the worst things I've said and done and let me know. Um, you know, it's interesting. The thing, it's a, it's a, it's a really great question. And there are a lot of things I know I've thought that I regret. Um, and I'm, I'm sure in my expressions and sometimes in my words and sentiments, they've come out. But that, it, 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 I'll be honest, it really is. There's no question in my life what I regret the most 
was what I did in fifth grade to, really? to Vicky. There's it it haunts me. Mm. It just um and I can find peace and acceptance, I think, about a lot of things. I can't about that. Really? I still I still um will have, you know, nightmares about it and I I feel and and it's that again, I'm not saying that these things are the same at all. But one of the uh things I did for the book is I went to Rwanda and uh talked to people who had been on both sides of the genocide there, which was the fastest genocide in human history and 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 1994 wasn't that long ago. 800,000 people killed in 100 days. Mm. And 800,000? 800,000. Oh. And I um I mean first of all what what I take away and what I I think I try to capture in the book is the incredible what what it must take for people to forgive after something like that. And that there are and that I spent time with people who, you know, a man and a woman uh, sitting in her home with the man who had killed her husband and her children, oh, man. welcoming him into her home, talking with him like they were friends. That, wow. that grace, that kind, I don't have, I don't know that I have the capacity for that. When I was trying to understand what happened in Rwanda, um, a philosopher I spoke with pointed out that mass atrocities don't happen because of a few psychopaths they wouldn't be mass atrocities. The reason we end up with mass atrocities, Rwanda, Serbia, the Holocaust, is because masses of people participate in them. And that we all have. We like to think, you know, this is something that happens somewhere else to other people, To right? We call it evil because we that makes it somehow this sort of strange, spiritual, otherworldly thing. We all have that capacity to be so brutal and cruel. And it startles me, I think, and shakes me at a deep level on a almost daily basis that I know I have that capacity too mm-hmm. because of what I remember doing to Vicky. And, and, and again, I mean, it's not, for me, it's this constant warning and reminder to try to be humble and not judge others when they then do cruel things. Yeah. Um, but it also, it, it does, it haunts me. I regret it. Right. Were you bullied a lot yourself? Um, no. Really? No, I was, I was a bully. I hmm. mean, I, uh, you know, it's funny. I don't remember. It's not funny. Why do I do that? I say it's funny when things are like super not funny. <laughs> I've noticed this about myself lately. It's, anyway, so it's, it's, called it's not the, it's called it's called the Joker mask. God, dang I, it! I wrote about it. Dang it, Lewis! <laughs> it's all good. And your wisdom. <laughs> no, <I'm kidding. laughs> uh, in, we only share what we are we do ourselves too. <laughs> at the end of fifth grade, I did something to some kid. I don't remember what I did. Hmm. And the kid, I remember exactly where I was in school, uh, in the lunchroom, and the kid just broke down crying. And like something snapped in me and I realized like, oh, this isn't, I got to, this, I, that's, this is what I did was wrong. Wow. I'm mean. This kid thinks I'm mean. People think, people think I'm mean. Like I, um, and that was, that was that. Mm. Uh, that's when you stopped. Thankfully. Yeah. 
Uh, And then I fortunately also switched schools, not uh, unrelatedly, but that allowed me to have a a fresh fresh start. start. Yeah. Wow. Um, But yeah, no, it's, uh, I was definitely not, I was the bully. Yeah. How, um, how much bullying is happening still today in schools? Because I don't have kids, so I'm not aware as much. You know, I, I hear stories, but I'm not sure how is it, or is it more lovey-dovey, or is it more bully-bully <laughs> in schools right now? Because when I grew up, man, it was challenging. You know, really this challenging. is interesting, right? I, I mean, uh, I'm 41. Yeah, you're, you're, 35. You're, good God, why do I think everyone's old like me? It's fine. <laughs> but I used to feel right, completely yeah. made fun of all the time. And maybe that's the story I tell myself. And maybe it was only like a handful of times that I blew out of proportion. But I mean, I didn't have any friends, literally, to the point where... There were kids in the neighborhood who said, um, you want to join our club, if you want to be a part of our club, <laughs> this is bad, if you want to be a part of our club, uh, you have to either answer a, a test or pay money. Aww, and so they, <laughs> it was really bad. Well, wait, so they gave the questions. minds want to know, Lewis. So uh, they asked like questions, and I was like, I don't know, eight maybe, maybe eight, eight years old, maybe nine. And one of the questions was like, uh, Name an, uh, an astronaut who's been on the moon, and I didn't know. And then, then I can't remember the second question. There was a bunch of questions, and I didn't know any of them, okay. which made me feel stupid already. And they're like, "Sorry, you can't be our friend unless you give us money." So I went home, got like coins from my mom, put it in a shoebox, and brought it to like be able to hang out with them in like their club. And then I did that for one day, and I was like, I never went back after that because I was like, "This, I feel horrible." But that's oh the gosh. stuff that if I. If you guys are listening and would like to through. send Lewis's money back <laughs> with interest, yeah, exactly. That would be really noble to do right no, now. But I don't. I don't blame these kids, and it's it's all good. But I mean, there were instances like that all the time. You know, where I was picked last on sports teams. Yeah. But a lot of these things Which drove is me mildly ironic. But continue. it's funny, right? Yeah, but a lot of right? these things drove me to um, be a better person. To uh, I saw like what other people didn't see in me. Right, I was like, huh, they don't think I'm good. They don't think I'm smart. They don't think I'm this. And I used it as fuel to improve my life. I said, I'm going to become the best athlete I can be. And so I trained all day, all night, nonstop for years. Mm. Um, now, this is a whole other story. I did it out of with a chip on my shoulder to prove people wrong. Yeah. And so even though I got the results, I was always unhappy and unfulfilled. Mm. And I learned that that was the process of writing this book about masculinity. Yeah. I was like, wow, I was so driven to be right and to win at all costs and to do this because I never wanted to feel less than. Um, but even that unhappiness and sort of yearning led to a good thing for the world. Right. So, yeah. I yeah. mean, at the end of the day, I'm, 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 you know, it all worked out, but it's like I didn't have to go through 25 years of like resentment and mm. like anger towards this bullying that happened or yeah. feeling less than or whatever. So back to the question, is it happening a lot today uh, with social media and everything else that's available? Or do you feel like because it's so sensitive that parents have really rallied around like any bullying that's happening, like shutting it down right away? And- yeah, it's – it's. so first of all, there's, there's like an interesting point you just made there about adversity, uh-huh. right? And, and as a parent or uh, – just in general, thinking about how some adversity is a good thing. And by the way, some adversity is also how we develop compassion Mm -hmm. for others who experience more adversity. So we were talking- You just always have a perfect life that's like- We were talking before the uh, mics were on uh, 
and I said, you know, my parents were like super duper extra mm-hmm. over the top supportive when I came out, but my high school girlfriends were not. And so my first real experience of being they were so not towards you or their parents were not. Towards the idea of us being gay, oh. her or me or us together. Uh, and so my first experience of personal experience really uh, on being on the receiving side of prejudice and discrimination was that moment. And it made me want to make the world a better place. It made me an activist. It made me seek out. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. and I started uh, doing gay and lesbian, bisexual, transgender activism, and then it led to immigrant rights and right. criminal justice reform and more. So, so that, that was out of my adversity. You, yeah. So there is a way in which you don't want to protect kids, and I do worry about you know, like you and I. I remember we were on the playground, yeah. unsupervised, and some <laughs> nasty stuff <laughs> yeah. went down that I exactly. cannot believe went down yeah. under state supervision. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But on some level. I'm like, we got to roam the, right? I grew up like, uh-huh. you, I don't, we left the house at 9 a.m. on a Saturday. You came yeah. back at five. No one knew where you were. Really bad stuff Take went down. Take your bike out. You, and just, right. Yeah, yeah. So I do worry that we have a little overprotected kids. There is mm-hmm. a lot of talk now about bullying. And so really? in some ways things are getting kind of over ascribed to bullying like and any kids, negative thing it's like yeah yeah it's like just work it out kids like not <laughs> you know so like they'll come and they'll be like bullied me and like no they just called you a you know stupid head and like go work it out like yeah yeah go say how it made you feel whatever yeah at the same time there's no question that there's still serious real bullying mm-hmm. happening you know we see some really disturbing examples of this we know it especially is happening to gender non-conforming kids mm-hmm. Uh, to poor kids, to kids with disabilities, yeah, yeah. and it's happening online, and it's happening online. The you know sort of all those mean girl dynamics, uh, and all the mm-hmm. you know race, gender, class harassment, and bullying—all of that is exacerbated tremendously online. And I think it's easier for those of us who are older to sort of say, "Yeah, it's just it's you know it's social media. It's not real. It's not whatever." But when you've grown up steeped in that, such that your real and virtual identities are kind of conflated, mm-hmm. yep. um, and and we're obviously we're seeing people committing suicide based on online bullying, so it's it's it is deeply deeply disturbing, and it goes to to me then how we as adults, I mean I I, I honestly I hope I think it's important that high school and college kids have these conversations, and I hope we'll read the book. Mm-hmm. But as adults, how are we setting the tone, right? Because when we you know, set the tone of, you know, oh, kids, don't bully. And then the way we talk about our neighbors or our coworkers is bullying. or Trump supporters or Clinton supporters. And we're setting the tone of hate. I, we, we can all do a better job. Mm-hmm. Wow. Range Rover Sport leads by example. Picture this. Assertive on-road performance meets commanding all-terrain capability. That's the third-generation Range Rover Sport, which is the most desirable, advanced, and dynamically capable one yet. This vehicle redefines sporting luxury, offering an instinctive drive with engaging on-road dynamics and effortless composure. Now available in sleek, new stealth pack, Carpathian gray exterior wrapped in satin protective film with black accents and black brake calipers. Inside the Range Rover Sport, advanced cabin technologies 
like active noise cancellation and cabin air purification offer new levels of comfort and refinement. And let's not forget about the award-winning Pivi Pro infotainment system. Enjoy a dynamic drive and total comfort with optional 22-way adjustable heated and ventilated electric memory front seats with massage function. Wow, that's like a spa day while on the go. Design your Range Rover Sport at LandRoverUSA.com. When you want the best, you have to act quickly or someone else will get it instead. Like when you're trying to buy tickets for the best seat at your favorite team's big game or when you're hiring for your business and you want to find the most talented people for your open roles before the competition scoops them up. With ZipRecruiter, you can find qualified candidates fast. And right now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com greatness. ZipRecruiter's powerful matching technology takes center stage to identify top talent for your roles. Immediately after you post your job, ZipRecruiter's smart technology starts showing you qualified people for it. And I believe finding the right team member is one of the most important steps in setting up my company for success. We like to ensure our new hires will be a good fit before they're even on the team. So I am grateful that I have ZipRecruiter's help when we want to grow the team fast. Amp up your hiring performance with ZipRecruiter and find the best fast. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address right now to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash greatness. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash greatness. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. So how do we start to repair the language and our ways of being? If we've been so conditioned a certain way for so long, how do we start to repair that so that humanity is comes together? You know, um, I, I'd love to paint my book as some like really complicated thing here, but it's actually not. I mean, I think, you know, I like the stories in it, my mm -hmm. stories, my struggles, the, uh, you know, former terrorists and former neo-Nazis I spent time with, their complex, inspiring stories. But at the end of the day, the answer isn't that hard here. It's not that hard to be nice, right? We know what it feels like mm. to be treated with respect and dignity and kindness. It's the way we want to be treated, right? It all goes back to, when we're talk talking about childhood, My one of the things I remember most about my childhood is this, uh, you know, very 1980s print uh, of the golden rule with like the, mm -hmm. you know, yep. populace of the world <laughs> and this gilded, uh, fake gilded, you know, like screen print, whatever. But uh, uh, the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. We, we, we all learn this already. We know how to be kind. And the problem is, you know, here's the, this is the other thing. I think this is the most, to me, the most profound takeaway for me from this process of writing this book is no one thinks they're hateful. No one thinks. There's a few outliers, obviously, but even if you look at current Nazis and terrorists, they don't think they're hateful. They think they are reacting to the hate of others. Mm. We all, when it comes to hate, we all tend to have this sort of they started it philosophy. Right and don't see ourselves as either participating in it or if we even acknowledge it, maybe it's because they did it first and we're just reacting, responding, we're justified. And th in that, right, in that eye for an eye, right, the whole world becomes mm -hmm. blind. So somewhere at some point, one of us, you know, has the, we have the individual possibility and, and potential and responsibility 
to make a different choice. Yeah. Yes, there's pieces of public policy and what we do to deal with racism in the criminal justice system and the fact that we live in segregated communities and all of that and how our media is dividing us. And I talk about that and we need to do something about that too. But at the it begins with mm. each of us saying, I don't like the hateful society we're in. I don't like this culture of hate. And I'm going to look at what I can do. No matter what, I'm going to stop it. Yeah. Begins with each of us. Mm. How do we stop it when someone is doing something so unjust or so in, inhumane or killing people? How do we not have these negative, hateful feelings or thoughts towards them? If someone is killing everyone, you know, whether it be literally or metaphorically, how do we say, I love you, you know, you're the best. Well, maybe you're it's not okay. the best. Let's not go that far. <laughs> I mean, look, I, I go back to the lessons I take from uh, folks in Rwanda who, who I, again, if they could manage to do it after what they've been through. Mm. Uh, How did they manage to do I, it? I, 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 by believing, by understanding, it goes back to understanding that we all have this capacity for good and evil. And I also take a lot of uh, inspiration from leaders in nonviolence and peace movements like Martin Luther King. And what we forget is that the core idea behind nonviolent resistance that was at the center of his piece of the civil rights movement was, was compassion. Mm -hmm. And was this idea that, look, if we're going to get past this history and this hateful and this hateful present, we have to all change. You don't just obliterate your enemy. They, your, your, your oppressor has to become something. They don't go away. So what are they going to become? Well, they're going to have to become your ally. They're going, they're going to, you know, when we talk about, I remember once talking to uh, someone who works in peace negotiations and about, you know, sort of the, this notion of you would end up negotiating with your enemy. It was like, well, who, who the heck? How else do you think you negotiate with in a peace negotiation? <laughs> they were your enemy. Right. And then that's the, like, you, we, we have to, if we're going to change as people, as a society, we have to figure out how to transcend it. So Martin Luther King and Bayard Rustin and Ella Baker, they talked about the wounds in their enemies, too. Mm -hmm. They talked about, and, and you know, this hate isn't serving any of us. This division isn't serving any of us. We have uh, white people who feel pain in rural America, and we have black people who feel pain in cities and in the South, and no, this hate isn't serving anyone. Mm. So, and Martin Luther King said, hate doesn't drive out hate. Only light can do that. And that's right. The answer to hate is never more hate. That's it, Yeah. A couple of questions for you left. This one's called The Three Truths. Oh. At the end of every episode, I ask people, um, if this was your last day many years from now, you got to choose the day that it's your last day on earth. And you're- I would have eaten the baked goods. You would have eaten the baked goods that day. All they, the they all goods. go down the belly. Yeah. But you're uh, you know, as old as you want to be, 100, 200, there's advanced technologies, who knows? Whatever, you, whatever day, year, you get to choose, and it's, it's finally the last day. But you have to, at one point, say, okay, it's done. 
Uh, and you've achieved everything you want. Every dream has come true. Every book you got to write, everything you wanted to say. I was on the School of Greatness podcast. There you go. <laughs> exactly. But it all came true. Um, but for whatever reason, you had to take it all with you. Your whole message. You had to take it with you as you passed. So there was nothing left for people to remember you by. Except for a piece of paper and a pen, you got to write down three things you needed to be true about your entire experience of life. The three lessons you would leave behind, and this is all people would have to be reminded or remembered by you. What would you say are your three truths? Just because hate feels justified doesn't mean it's justifiable. We all have the capacity to do great cruelty and great kindness. And I don't want to be ever the excuse for someone being their worst self. I want to be the inspiration for someone being their best self. Mm -hmm. I think that was three. Was it three? Lots okay, cool. <laughs> Take it. A run on three. <laughs> I like it. Um, I want to acknowledge you for a moment, Sally, for your awareness, for seeing the good inside of yourself and also seeing the things that you maybe don't appreciate about what you've done in the past and using it for good to make an impact mm. to the people that already believe in you and to the people that maybe you're working to pull over to your side and your beliefs. Uh, I think it's really important for us to constantly be aware of what's working for us and what's not working for us. And so for you to have that awareness and do TED Talks and write books about it and really spread that message of love over hate and awareness, it's really powerful. So I acknowledge you for that. Thank you. Make sure you guys get the book. It's called The Opposite of Hate, A Field Guide to Repairing Our Humanity. Make sure you check it out. It's out right now. Uh, where can we connect with you online? Uh, I am Sally, uh, at Sally Cohn, K-O-H-N, across all platforms except Snapchat because I still don't understand how it works. <laughs> um, and, uh, or sallycohn.com. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, and the last question is, what's your definition of greatness? Um, I, I have to be honest. I mean, my, my, because I knew you were going to ask this. <laughs> and my immediate answer when I knew, when I was like, oh, he's going to ask my first answer is, well, now I can't, I actually can't think of the word without thinking about you. So there is that. I just do want to say <laughs> That's that. That's good. I've doing, done good branding. If we're doing appreciations, man, <laughs> I, I love you. I love what you stand for. Thank you. And I, I, I love how you've recaptured and reframed the concept of greatness, mm. right? Because I think greatness we've, we've often thought of, and this goes to my answer, we've often thought of greatness as an individual kind of conquering an achievement and you've turned greatness into about your impact on the world mm -hmm. and I, I i thank you yeah. um so that to me that is my definition of greatness is do you do great things in this world for others there you go sally thanks, thanks so much man. appreciate, appreciate it, it. appreciate fun. you Again, you were born to love, not to hate. We have been trained over the years to respond, to react, to come from a place of bullying, to, to hate others, to judge others. But that's not who you are. That's not where you came from. That's what you've been trained to do and conditioned to do over time. And it's time we untrain ourselves. 
If you enjoyed this, make sure to share it with your friends, lewishouse.com slash 631. You can take a screenshot, tag me on Instagram. I'm at Lewis House. Let's start the conversation over there. I'd love to hang out there the most over on Twitter as well, Facebook, all the places. And again, if you haven't left a review yet, feel free to leave a review and share what you thought about this episode over on the podcast app or on iTunes. We've got a powerful episode coming up next time. I'm very excited about our next guest, Jay Williams, the legendary, one of the most incredible college basketball players of all time who got in a motorcycle accident when he was in the NBA, went on Oprah and talked about his experience, and he's going to share some valuable things that he's never shared before. We dove in deep together, and you're going to love this episode. So make sure to stay tuned for the next episode coming very soon. And again, as Nelson Mandela said, people must learn to hate. And if they can learn to hate, they can be taught to love. For love comes more naturally to the human heart than its opposite. I love you very much, and I'm so glad we're on this journey together. Every single episode is another opportunity to learn more, to discover who we truly are, and to reach our full potential. Thank you again for all that you do, and you know what time it is. It's time to go out there and do something great. Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. You can start your day off right. When you find a professional on Angie to get your plumbing right first. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Visit Angie.com. You can do this when you Angie that.